GMGM, GM, welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. My name is Josh Gordon. I'm your host, and we're bringing something a little bit different with this podcast. We're doing best of the month. So I realize that these podcast episodes are really in-depth, they're dense, and they're, they're full of insights. And what I want to do is make sure that we can bubble up some of my favorite insights month to month from all of our guests and deliver them in a podcast episode that's easy to listen to. So if you don't have time to listen to every single week's episode, catch the best of the month series so you can hear highlights from each of our guests. So for the first month of May, we're going to dive on in. We got four guests and they really brought the heat, learned a lot about Solana, decentralization, reputation, building NFT marketplaces. So a lot of a lot of good things to talk through here. And without further ado, let's just jump right on in. Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains and the go-to place for everybody to learn about the latest innovations in Web3, NFTs, and the decentralized web. Join us each week to hear from experts, entrepreneurs, and the early stage investors that are building the future on the blockchain. Not only will this podcast help you understand why these emerging technologies are so important, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in the metaverse. So the first podcast episode of the month was with Pablo Stanley. Pablo always brings the energy. It was so cool to talk to him. I've been a Roboto holder for months now, almost a year actually. So having him on the pod was extra special. I like the collection. It marks one of my early memories in NFTs. And he's working on more than just art, but he's also working on building tooling around NFT creation. And that's something I think we need a lot more of is tools like we're familiar with seeing in Web2 that allow you to create internet storefronts really easily or websites really easily or email campaigns super easy. We need those same types of tools for Web3 and that's what he's working on. So we dive into why that's so important in this clip from episode 129, Building an NFT Community with Pablo Stanley. My main job is not Roboto's. My main job is actually like or tooling inside Bueno. That's my main focus, actually. On Roboto's, like we have been able to leverage the work that we have been doing on on Bueno and the technology that we have been developing and all the product that we have been developing to to use it on Roboto's too and bring utility to Roboto's. But that's really a, a huge driver uh, for me and for my team, I think, where it's like, hey, help other artists, other creators, other communities, other community builders to just like have the tools that are necessary for them and, and consequentially also bring utility. So I think that's a huge driver for us, where it's like a, uh, uh, and, and something that, like wakes me up in the morning and just like, yeah, let's let's go do this. It's creating the tools for people so they can create their microverse, like the tools so people can create their contract without the need of a developer, the, the tools for people so they can create a 10K collection really easily, like seriously in seconds. We have the tools to do that. And now we're like about to launch an alpha or a contract deployer. So you don't only create the art, but you can also put it on the test net, put in mainnet, test your collection, put it out there, mint it, have a mint page that, that your people can use, your collectors can use, and all of this without the help of a developer. Nothing against developers. It's more like, hey, you're an artist, you're a product maker, you're a, like a focus on the things that, that are really important to you. Yeah. 
I, I definitely wanted to dive into Bueno. And just for anyone who's not familiar, it's something that Pablo, you're the CEO of Bueno, and it's a like self-serve smart contract deployer and exactly what you're describing, tools for non-technical people to start creating NFT collections, which I think is so important. I was actually just talking to a friend yesterday and we, we have this NFT idea and the minting and the smart contract side is just where we kind of hit the wall. Yeah, and, and then you have to, well, look for the, the developer. And and I'm not saying that they're not. <laughs> it's just the space. I, you don't know who you can trust. You know, that's one. And whoever is out there that you can actually trust, uh, they already have a ton of other projects queued up because the, the, the people with the Solidity devs who are really good are, you can con them with the fingers in your hand. Like it's, it's, there are not a lot of them. So like a, having those tools for people like you, that's, that's our driver. That's like a, let's help them because it's, it's almost like tools that you need to just like a create back in, uh, or now like create a website, you know, like a, you might not actually know HTML or CSS or JavaScript, but you have an idea and you want to develop it, you know? So like, and now there are tools that allow you to do that. Just as just a creator, you have an idea and, and there are tools that just drag and drop and, and no code needed to create a beautiful landing page. That's the kind of mentality that we are having on like a NFT creators, NFT builders, where it's like, hey, you have the idea of the art, you have the idea of what this smart contract should do, how the interaction should be with your with your collectors, where it's like a having a an allow list, a link to it, having an, a max per wallet, having a, a supply that like a, having a pre-sale, all of those things that you will need to, to have that like we're building the tools so you can just do all of that. In this next clip, we talk with Matt Gould, CEO of Unstoppable Domains. I love getting to talk with Matt every time he joins the podcast. He thinks deeply about crypto topics and everything related to identity, reputation, and data. Matt joined the Unstoppable podcast and talked about how he would integrate Web3 and crypto into Twitter to build out their identity and reputation functionality. He then went on to share how his journey into building Web3 products started with building reputation systems for Bitcoin and how that led him to founding Unstoppable Domains. So this was really recorded around a lot of the hype when Elon Musk was buying Twitter. That's kind of been put on pause as he's investigated the the bot and the truth behind some of Twitter's claims. So we'll see if that purchase actually goes through. But if you're interested in hearing how Unstoppable Domains is thinking about identity and reputation, this is a great clip to listen to from episode 130, Elon Musk, Free Speech and Reputation with Matt G. So the fact that Elon's talking about open sourcing the algorithm is pretty crazy, in my opinion. And like, I think it's not going to be good for making money at Twitter short or medium term, but it could be a rebirth of Twitter. And, and the thing that I think Twitter is still missing is it needs to adopt Web3 and crypto. And if you're going to ask me, like, how would you make Twitter better? I would say number one thing is let people own their profiles. So like if as long, if people can own their digital content, right, and then they could take them and plug them in other places, then Twitter would be better because it would have a whole bunch of competing Twitters out there that would keep Twitter in check and prevent them from making bad decisions. 
And so, you know, if we have like a crypto version of Twitter, <laughs> I'm joking about this, but you could fork it, right? And then you could have your, you know, code is law Twitter. You know, you could have your Twitter classic where free speech is absolute, you know, like we have Ethereum classic and you could fork it. And people would be able to move their profiles over there and experience that. I don't know if Elon's going to go that radical, but I do like the, I will say that the first couple of things that he's mentioned to take a look at, which is tackling the bots, I mean, we just need to do that. It's bad for humanity to have those things on there, just publishing all sorts of crazy stuff. And then trying to open source this algorithm. I think that's a good idea so people can be aware of at least of what's happening. These are good first starts and I will uh, leave it open. Uh, Elon has been very successful, so maybe he'll fix Twitter. So I don't think he's going to do it without crypto though. Yeah. And I, you know, this is probably a good transition to talking more about crypto solutions to identity and also and, re and reputation and you know touch on a little bit of how we're thinking about that kind of stuff at unstoppable domains so i think it'd be pretty cool if you could share how you first started working on crypto reviews and how that led you to like working on naming systems and really like your position on identity today yeah when i first got started in crypto I was actually taking working on Bitcoin because everyone was at the time. That was the only thing out, really. And uh, we were looking at ways to verify people's reviews that they had online. So, for instance, you know, Yelp was a big thing back in 2013. And you wanted to have some way to prove that someone had actually shopped at that store if they're going to leave a review about it because you didn't want someone to have a fake review. And so we worked on a project for that. And then maybe six months later, there was another project and it was like Reddit for Bitcoin people. And one of the things that they were trying to do is build a reputation system on there. So it's like, I was like deja vu, right? Working on how to build a reputation system for this one. And then it just turned out like every single crypto app, Bitcoin app back then that you would work on, people were like, oh, it'd be great if we had some sort of like little reputation system we could plug in. And just as a builder, you realize like, oh, if you're making the same thing you know, multiple times in a row on all these different places, it would be great if we could abstract that out and then and then have a, you know, a generalized solution for reputation across apps. So I went around and started hunting for generalized solution for reputation across apps. And I realized, and I think a lot of other people have realized this too, and they need we need to say it louder, which is if you have some some form of digital identity where you can take you with you as you go along different apps, then you can build a reputation across all the apps and the user can maintain it and they can own it and they can benefit from it. Um, and then the apps will have a consistent ID system for their users that will help fight these things around spam and misinformation and people pretending to be a thousand people when they're only one person. So that's how I kind of ended up coming on cross app reputation. And of course we think NFT domains are a natural solution for this. And we actually view NFT domains as a really great way of assigning people a static, consistent digital identity across apps. Do you think that everyone is really going to have an NFT domain eventually or some kind of identity that they own? And if, if everybody is owning an identity, is the only version of that NFT domains? So I certainly believe that. And there's obviously lots of different ways that we could end up with a digital reputation system online. I just happen to think that naming systems are really well built to handle this. And the reason why I believe that is if you look historically, we all use domain names right now. And those are reputation systems 
mostly for businesses, like small businesses. And NFT domains are really that same type of system for being able to look somebody up. You know, like you, you look up a business online right now, you type in their web address. Well, in the future, you'll be able to look a person up by typing in their NFT domain and find information about them. And NFT domains are really designed for consumers, whereas regular domains are designed for businesses. And there's a huge amount of technology changes between domains, you know, that were DNS was 1996, I think, and then NFT domains, which is 2022. And all of that is around, you know, the private public key pairs, the public nature of blockchains, being able to verify data as third parties, accessing and permissioning that data, all of that comes through users having control of their uh, NFT domain in their wallet with a crypto, you know, it's a native crypto asset. So you can sign things and verify things without having to have to interact with like a centralized service like ICANN's DNS system. So there's huge improvements here, but yeah, I think so. And I think naming systems are a really interesting and good spot to build reputation systems online. And I think that they have all the advantages to win and we'll see that play out over the next uh, decade. One question we have, I have about reputation is, you've seen that Black Mirror episode where you can, people are just walking around like rating people that they interact with on their day-to-day life. That's not how you see this playing out, right? It's reputation systems are going to be tracked differently than just anyone being able to downvote you, right? Correct. So it's hard to predict what are going to be the second and third order effects. But I think the way that people are going to build reputation systems to start with is going to be the personal information and data that they want to store and that they want to share. So you're really going to build it up as a personal utility for yourself. And then as you build it up as a personal utility for yourself, you're going to be able to permission information access from other applications in order to build better user experiences. So that's a lot of words. But what I'm trying to say is, you're going to build up a digital ID because it's going to be great for you to have one place where you store your data and your information. And and then you can portably use that thing across applications like an SSO. So you don't have to keep track of 5,000 different passwords. And then when you log into all these apps, they're going to be asking you for data. And they say, hey, do you mind sharing this piece of data with me or this, or this piece of data or this piece of data? And you'll choose to share that data with them because they'll be able to make a better app. As an example, if you're shopping online, maybe you share your clothing sizes, right? So you can save time and they'll only show you what you need to see. And if we take it one step further, like how these systems are going to evolve, assuming that privacy technology continues to improve, you'll even be able to share this data with other apps that you interact with, and you'll have guarantees around them deleting that information after they interact with you, which which would be super useful for users. So it will be possible for you to personally keep information about other people you interact with. If you're like, oh yeah, I interacted with Josh, I didn't like him. And you could write that down on your own personal data store. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that information will be shared so everyone else can see your rating of Josh. I'm sure there will be apps that do that. I mean, Black Mirror is definitely very thoughtful about their views of the future. Some of that stuff is not super great, but I think overall it'll mostly be an improvement for your own personal utility. And then hopefully it will help us with some of these social problems that we have. So there's a lot of angry people online right now that I think are upset because there's a lot of information that's being posted that is really low quality. I loved this next podcast episode that we're going to dive into. It was with Arthur Kamara, product leader, and founding member of Dapper Labs. One of the reasons I love this so much is because NBA Top Shot was how I got introduced to NFTs. And this was just a dope conversation to have with Arthur. We talked about the future of fandom, but in this specific clip, he shared a really, really interesting analogy around the invention of electricity and the washing machine. Now, when the washing machine was invented, it was riddled with problems. But thankfully, that product wasn't killed. 
Now, there are problems everywhere in NFTs and crypto and Web3, but these are problems to be solved and the builders within Web3 are tackling them one by one. So let's listen to this segment from episode 131, Building NBA Top Shot with Arthur Kamara. I actually appreciate the criticism. I, I think there's a lot of good points. There's a lot of things that we, we can do better and we will do better. Uh, like I said, we're working uh, nonstop. We're focused on long-term value. We're focused on the long-term plan here. So we're going to be around and we're learning from everything we hear. One analogy that I'd love to, I'd love to mention is there's this TED Talk from, I think it's 2003, from Jeff Bezos. And he's, he's, he's answering to a similar question about the dot-com and criticisms around Amazon. And, and one of his points is that it's extremely, extremely early. It was extremely early for the internet. And he offered a, an analogy, which I think is extremely powerful, which is the, the analogy of electricity. And his example is like, he, he shared about how they took a, many, many years to lay the foundation of electricity. And what people really wanted to have in their homes, the killer app of electricity was the, the light bulb, right? And everyone wanted to have the light bulb in their, in their homes. So the way that they built the homes was with a, a light bulb socket you know, on the ceiling. So that was enough for that app, basically for, for the light bulb. But then the appliances came and, and that allowed for a new wave of innovation. But the user experience was actually pretty terrible. You know, when the washing machine was introduced, first it was super bulky. It was a large device. It weighed so much. You needed to leave it outside. So people had it uh, on their front porch or backyards and and it would spill water sometimes. So, so they had it outside. And there was this long cord that you needed to run through, you know, the backyard and, and your house. You needed to unscrew your light bulb and screw the, the cord. There was no button to turn it on or off. So it was actually a pretty bad user experience. You had to like go up a chair or something, unscrew the, the light bulb, screw that in, put your clothes in. And it was loud. It was heavy. It was dangerous because if you you know, if your clothes got caught, caught in, into the machine, uh, you, you couldn't run to your home and, and, and unplug it. There was no on and off button. So, so it was like bad user experience. It was dangerous. There was lots of potential failures. And a lot of people could criticize that and, and be like, you know what? Washing machines are not worth it. Uh, let's, let's kill it. Let's not move forward with the technology. But, you know, some people luckily didn't look at it this way. They looked at it as like, there are some real problems that need to be solved. Um, let's find solutions to them. And some of them were, were simple solutions. Some of them was, were like, all right, let's create an on and off switch. Some other solutions were like, all right, let's build outlets and move them down so that people can plug things into their homes and the appliances industry ended up flourishing. You know, and, and similar situations happened with all the appliances, like with, with vacuum cleaner, and he shares a bunch of other examples. You can Google that TED talk. It's pretty insightful. And and I think it's a similar thing with with what we're going through, not just with Top Shot, but with the industry at large. There are lots of problems. There are lots of things that could be better. There are lots of things that need to be solved. If we're here for the long term, if you believe in the technology and you think that that's uh, in the long term, it's it's going to stick around and 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 change how we do a lot of things. Then uh, those are problems to be solved, right? The same way that we saw, we looked at the CryptoKitties problems that I mentioned earlier, and we're like, you know what, onboarding and network issues, and those are problems to be solved, and we're going to solve them one by one, and it's definitely hard. In our last podcast of May, 
we had a banger episode with the COO of Magic Eaton, Josh. And now I love this conversation. In this episode, we learned about Solana, building Web3 marketplaces, and why Magic Eden has seen such rapid growth over the past few months. It's something I really like about this clip is how he breaks down why Solana offers a better user experience than buying NFTs on other blockchains. Now, I think that too often we don't consider user experience and we just accept slow networks and high fees that Ethereum really translates to. And when we think about global adoption, that's not acceptable. He talks about how lower costs lead to more experimentation and more experimentation leads to more innovation. So I really like how he's thinking through why it's important to build on some of these other blockchains, specifically Solana. So with that said, let's dive into this last episode of May with Joshin in episode 132, building the largest NFT marketplace on Solana. A big selling point of Solana is the fast transactions, but I'm curious at what your take is on are fast transactions really something that precedes a great user experience? So much conversation goes on around just it's simply faster and maybe gas fees are low, but how does that transaction speed end up being a better experience for everyone buying, selling NFTs and also creators of these projects on Solana? Yeah, really good question. I think there's two points that I'll make. And then there's very clear, I think, implications of, of those two points. So there's basically like the, what people talk about normally with Solana is that it's fast and it's cheap, right? And I think both of those things are really important for two different reasons. The speed thing is, I think, a user experience thing. And I think it definitely makes a, makes a, a meaningful difference when a, a user is using like crypto rails for the first time and using like non-custodial wallet infrastructure for the first time. If they come in and they try and perform an activity, whether it's to like buy a token or buy an NFT or, you know, lend some assets or something, if the user experience is not, is not fast, that, that in itself is sort of like detracts from that entire onboarding you know, experience and the success of that onboarding experience. It's not the entire sort of factor, but it's one of the factors. And then I think the implication of a chain being cheap is I think actually more profound than the fast thing. I think the fast thing can probably be overcome and just naturally will get better over time. I think the the cost of things is really important from our point of view because it just means that no matter what kind of user you are, so say you're an end user that's buying or selling on the marketplace or you're a creator that's thinking about launching an NFT collection, if it's cheaper, then it's actually more will like you'd be more willing to actually experiment. And this is true across many dimensions, right? It's like, you know, if you have this vision that thing, a lot of things will become on-chain and a lot of social uh, interactions will become, you know, formed in DAOs and things like that, all that kind of stuff, right? And all of that is, I think, more likely to happen when things are just cheaper. So we, we've seen this to be fairly true. Like this thesis, I think, has played out quite well in the last nine months, that at least we've been around, that a lot of these guys that are coming in to build on Solana uh, very, very intentionally chose to build there. Because number one, they were they were finding that like the user experience could be better. And then number two, they found that because the barrier to entry from a cost standpoint was lower, it's like, oh, it's it's conceivable that others would actually use this, right? You know, some good examples are like there's, you know, apps that or products that allow you to like form DAOs on chain that is just kind of hard and pretty difficult to do on a high cost chain. Or like gaming related use cases. It's kind of again, you know, lots and lots of transactions, lots of items. That again is really hard to do on like a really high cost chain. 
so I think those are the implications. It's like user experience plus willingness to experiment and um, willingness to experiment leads to then, you know, more and more types of NFTs being created, which I think is really important from just a general ecosystem health standpoint. Yeah, it makes me think of Shopify a little bit just in terms of the cost to set up a, a marketplace, a business, a storefront on the Internet became so low and so easy. I guess the easiness is maybe the fast standpoint and the cost of setting up a Shopify store, you know, is 20, 30 bucks. And then all of a sudden you have everything built in and you're ready to sell some digital product. And so that led to a boom in online creators and businesses too. So that cost of experimentation point you bring up is really interesting. And I wonder if just the innovation in Solana is going to outpace the innovation happening on Ethereum over time as more builders like navigate to that. It's a really good analogy, actually. Very, very good analogy. And like a couple of like really interesting stats just to bring up around this is like, number one, there's somewhere between like 50 to 80,000 NFTs being minted daily on Solana, which is nothing to sniff at. It's a lot. And we're still early. We're still in like the, you know, 0.01% of all creators kind of thing, or maybe, maybe even less. So we're like very, very early on that front. And there's that many NFTs being created. And then the second thing I think is, Solana has, you know, 10 to 20 times more transactions daily. I think that's just a good proxy for like the degree to which people are just trying things and doing things. And when you say 10 to 20 times more transactions daily, that's from the entire blockchain perspective, not necessarily just an NFT trading. Correct. Correct. I think that's like a representative across all the different types of products too. We see roughly somewhere between 30,000 to 50,000 daily active wallets on Magic Eden. And that's, I think, pretty meaningful for a marketplace that's only been around, you know, eight, nine months to give you some sense of like the degree to which people are willing to actually just try it out and start using it. Uh, whereas the barriers to entry, I think elsewhere are just a lot higher. So yeah, we're really excited. I think the, the thesis of like experimentation has definitely been playing through. And yeah, we're, we're really excited about what's still to come. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share this with your friends. And remember, this conversation doesn't have to end here. Tweet us your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. I look forward to hearing from you, and thank you so much for listening.